Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts and be in keeping with the teachings of your Son, Jesus Christ. For you, O Lord, are our rock, and you are our Redeemer. Amen. Okay, first I want to thank Beth, because that reading has some of the worst names throughout the Bible. And it's always kind of a running joke if we actually use the full text because of the great challenge that it poses people. But I think it it speaks to our larger um, message for today and how we understand things that are maybe seemingly incomprehensible. So in that spirit, our little daughter Eliza is now almost 11 months old. And she's not, she's not talking yet, unless you count the like yum, 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 yum sound that she makes when she eats something that she finds particularly delicious, or the ma, 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 ma sound that I wish was about her recognition of who I am as her mama, but is really just her saying, I want something. <laughs> and these are verbal cues. They're all that we have to go off of. And I've been told by some people that I should savor this time, to, to relish it before she starts speaking with words and sentences and having demands and very strong opinions about things. But if I'm honest, sometimes I find myself wishing that we could just know what it is that she wants and hear what it is that she's thinking and what's happening in that little brain of hers. Because otherwise, it's all babble, cute, adorable, sometimes maddening baby babble. Today, in the story of Pentecost, the founding of God's church, the movement of that advocate, the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised, descending down on the disciples. And it is in this that we find ourselves in a story that is a direct reversal of a story from centuries earlier, the Tower of Babel. In Genesis, we're told the whole world spoke one language and that they used, quote, the same words. And coming from the East, people reached a point where they wanted to settle. And so the people began to build. They felt called to make a city and to build this giant tower to the heavens. We hear of these people, of their hubris and pride and their conceit, but If I'm honest, their reasoning for building doesn't sound too outlandish. We're told in Genesis that they built this city so that they would make a name for themselves and not be scattered. And when God looks upon the city, their building and the tower, God says something interesting. God says, look, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing they propose to do now will be impossible for them. And so God goes and does the thing which the people feared. God confuses the language and in doing so scatters the people. Now this might seem a little mean and a little petty of God, but I wonder, I wonder if God recognized that since nothing the Babelites proposed would be impossible, 
since God realized the great possibility that they held within them. But I wonder if God also noticed that their focus was solely internal. Let us make a great name for ourselves so that we might not be scattered. For these people, God didn't come into the picture. Love and generosity of their larger neighbor never came into question. And here on Pentecost, we see the reversal of that. We see folks not speaking the same tongue and same words, but folks speaking different tongues and all hearing the message of the works of God. Reuniting, not in some homogenous identity that robs people of their specificity. No, because God rejoices in our diversity. We're told that many tongues were spoken on that day and all who heard understood. People from different walks of life and cultures and countries came and they heard of God's work. As with the people of Babel, with the disciples, maybe nothing they proposed to would be impossible. I think the fact that we're all sitting here today, these thousands of years after that moment in Jerusalem, maybe is proof of that, that nothing they proposed would be impossible, that God's church is still moving and breathing. But the difference is that in Pentecost, God moved and tied the people to one another, and they understood. As part of training to be a pastor, I served one summer at St. Raphael's Hospital in New Haven, Connecticut. I would stay one night, overnight, one, once a week, and each of us baby chaplains taking different turns on overnights, giving those experienced chaplains nights of respite after long day shifts. Maybe we would settle ourselves into the old medical bed that was in an attic room in the pastoral care house. I have to admit, there was this gruesome picture of a crucified Christ that hung over the bed. And I used to always wonder how whoever designed this room thought that that would engender a good night's sleep. <laughs> if I'm honest, I never slept in that bed. Part of that was because of the, the gnarly Christ, and part of that was the fact that my, my pager, straight out of the 1990s, was constantly buzzing to life throughout the course of the night. Some patients left in the dark and quiet were desperate to talk to someone. And it felt like during those nights, those patients whose fingers held loosely to life were finally able to breathe and to let go to God. And so I was called to bedsides. One night, I was called to the side of a woman who was nonverbal. And she looked at me with these wide eyes. And she held out her finger and she touched my nose, and she said, boop. <laughs> they don't cover what to do in a pastoral care class when an interaction like this happens, but, but I held out my finger, and I touched her nose, and I said, boop. <laughs> and she smiled, this big smile, 
and she squeezed my hand and nodded her head, and she drifted off to sleep. We didn't speak the same language, but we understood one another. Sometimes it is enough to be seen. Sometimes it's enough to be met just as we are without expectation or requirement, no need to be fixed. There was another one on a different night, a man. I checked in with a charge nurse and I knew that he didn't have long left to live. The nurse said that she thought he might want to pray, though when I walked in and saw his breathing tube, I didn't know how the nurse knew. The room was a flurry of beeps and buzzes, monitoring, keeping track of this and that. But I introduced myself and I sat down in the chair and I held his hand that was swollen, watery, and his skin paper thin. And I asked if he wanted to pray. And he closed his eyes, and so I prayed. And about what, I could not tell you, honestly. I, I know I prayed for his peace, and I prayed that he felt held by God. But what sticks with me more than the words of that prayer are the fact that as we prayed, the din, the beeping and buzzing, of the room quieted, and there is an imperceptible squeeze of my hand, and his eyes never reopened, and he joined with God. We understood one another, that none of us wants to be alone at the end. We spoke the same language. Several years ago, I went to Precious Blood with Chuck and Mary Ellen and Ida and, and several from our church. Uh, and we met in the back of the yards neighborhood for the Mother's Day March. As we walked from site to site where guns robbed folks of their loved ones and mothers told their stories. These stories of loss and lament, of tragic grief. And I had, if I'm honest with you all, I had trouble hearing that day. There was the noise of the traffic nearby and the babble of other protesters, um, other marchers, but I also know deeply what those mothers said. I know that they spoke of their pain and of their love and of their desire for the world to be different or to be different than the ones that robbed them of their children. We didn't necessarily hear one another, but we spoke the same language. Two weekends ago, we, um, we drove to see my parents for Mother's Day. And we learned a very important lesson about our daughter Eliza's limits. While she couldn't tell us she was done in the car because she's not able to talk yet, she knew that by hour 10, we knew that by hour 10, she was telling me get me out of here. And she wasn't really telling us, she was like screaming it at us. She was telling us that she was done. We also know though the looks, the looks when she's tired or those moments when our little active one slows down and all she wants to do is snuggle. Words aren't spoken 
but we understand one another. The language of God's love is heard. So I invite you to take a moment and reflect. On times that our shared language of humanity has surpassed the need for words. Maybe you felt it in a moment of great joy, when a baby is born, maybe on a wedding day, or maybe just on an average Tuesday when the sun shines and the flowers are blooming and God's Holy Spirit is present. Maybe you felt that shared language in moments of deep grief when no words are shared or exchanged, but that heart of loss breaks you open. Maybe you felt it in the moments when your soul deeply connects with someone else, or even with creation. These are Pentecost moments. See, Pentecost is not just something of the past, it is something of our present. It is the way that we can understand one another, not because we are people from one place who speak the same language as those people in Babel did, but because we know the language of what it means to be human. Pentecost happens when in our diversity, we hear the Holy Spirit not erasing those differences, but celebrating them and allowing us in humility and love to truly listen and to hear one another. And that's where the people of Babel got it wrong. God's call for us is not about our ability to do amazing things for us and ourselves. Building our towers to make a name for us so that we won't be scattered. God's love is about daring to be scattered and realizing that in foreign lands, whether they be hospital beds or neighborhoods in Chicago or this land of parenthood or whatever land you find yourself, that there is a language being spoken that we all can understand if we allow ourselves to be broken open to see the ways that God's spirit is still speaking through us. And that in doing so, in allowing this breaking open to, be, to happen, maybe we can hear God say of us, this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Amen.